church boys. Oh, let's see here. This is all oh, this is interesting. That's nice. Okay, what else here? Well, I am learning a lot. What from are you this. guys reading? I'm what are you a, reading? I'm learning a lot from this book. I don't know. Oh, I oh. just found this. It it's an autobiography, Chris. Is that the autobiography? That's the, it's, it's the autobiography of, of. It's about what? Satan, so I assumed it was about you. I've got some other people I could have mentioned, but I, I, the last second held my tongue. But I, people you and I have both known and perhaps worked with or for. <laughs> oh well, we don't work for Lucas, so that's strange. That that's you true. Um, God guys, would, God I would not, know. God I'm, would not allow us to work for, for, for Lucas. God would not allow, allow it. Mm-hmm. How happy were you guys that I was not here? You sounded, I listened to the show. We had a great show last week. We did. Uh-huh. I mean, it was uh-huh. stellar. It was, there were rave reviews. The, there were, there yeah. were, there were multiple tweets and it wasn't even just from Zimbabwe this time. No, we I had, saw there was a Paraguay tweet. I did see that. And there, you were ranking there, I believe at one point. <laughs> But there was a lot of oh. this going on. That was that was the main reaction we were getting from people was. was <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, people seem to like it, and I thought I was like, I'm gonna peace out because I, you know, I had the book release coming, and I thought this is just there was a lot going on, um, and then this week came, and I was like, oh no, I should have canceled <laughs> this week, but here I am. So. Here so, you are. I think the I think the audience is dying to know, Billy. What? Why no were you cares. out last? Why were you out last week? And then, what's making this I'm, week so unbearably wonderful for us and terrible for you? Well, this week was always the worst week of the year, and and also the best week of the year. It was always going to be, but it's like a Charles Dickson, Dickens novel. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was the it best. Was, it, but because well, Charles like, Dickens okay. novel though isn't that's not a funny. Funny would be it was the worst of times, and it was the worst of times. That would now that yeah. I'm, now I'm laughing. Go ahead. I mean, you're so weird. I just For you, it, Billy. I, there was always a lot going on this week. I had the book release going on. I'm producing an event, you know, <laughs> that I was helping Christian Post with. Um, and you know, then you have to do a lot of interviews and stuff with the book. And my kids were starting back to school, which they told us at the last second. And I had to take them both at different times to their school. My wife was starting back at work, and then we were closing on a house all within this five day. Period. Well, so all with no, no, all within like three days. Right. Or, it was like three. It was yesterday, today. Yeah. yeah last yeah. 24, 48 hours. Yeah. So it's been a little, it's been a little, and I thought, oh, I can manage it. But you know, like when you hit a point where you're like, right. I actually, there's no, this has isn't it, reasonable. Has it felt like you've been playing with fire? <laughs> well, that's a great segue. And yes, it, was, it, it does feel like I've been playing with fairly fire. Fairly ham I'm really trying to work that one as much as I can. So, uh, <coughs> so la- last week you were out and you were out doing. You were, you were supposed to have a date night with the wife, and then that I think didn't quite turn out how you had hoped it was going to turn out. Is that right? You wound up something. We else wound up broken. going over paperwork. Right. Okay. That's yeah for the house that we yeah we, you know like this, it's been a it's been a nightmare house buying experience they always it's never fun buying a house it's fun to like go and look and then once you start to do it you're like why did i get into this like because it just it it goes on and on with paperwork and so even tonight dealing with like oh my gosh the money didn't clear what are we going to do where is the money are we going to wait wait wait. what was that now what'd you just say the money the money didn't clear i said the money you mean like your money yeah so like the money to close right the money to close so is this some sort of 
because you're in some sort of sham deal and they're and it's not working out? What's no, I've never wired money in my life and suddenly you have to wire money and we've <laughs> never done it. So you know they you have to it. wire it to like Nigeria first. No, Billy's or no. Like that. See the problem. You is have to Bi- wire it. I don't know. Billy's family. Clear. Billy's family is used to dealing with suitcases full of cash. <laughs> You're so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> you really are a stupid, stupid person. But it's it's. You know, and then you're waiting for it to clear and you're trying to figure out why hasn't it cleared. And then it was delayed. Basically, my life is like a reality show. That's also a tragedy that you just wish you could kind of watch because it's just a disaster. But then it ends up fine in the end. That's what happens when you write books about demons. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. There you go. And the funny thing is the day the book came out, I was doing like interviews. Right. And every interview I did, something broke tech wise or didn't work like every single interview. It was it was very um, it was very entertaining. What are the odds? What are the odds you're going to be able to move into this house that you're buying? Well, it looks like it, it looks it like tomorrow we should be able to get as long as the closing happens. But right. the closing is like two hours away, so it's not like it's not like you're going down the road to do it. So and that's why we're like we need to make sure I don't want to leave and drive there and then not close. It's four hours of our lives gone for no reason. So, so do you think the house? Be. I guess what I'm getting at do you do you anticipate the house being empty? tomorrow afternoon. oh oh because they're hoarders the people who live there or um squatters I, or... I, I don't i don't know it needs to, it will have to be we actually called um to try to hook up like the electricity and they were like oh yeah the owners have it set to turn off on the 11th so we're like good oh, really? that means they're leaving so they've set something to turn off Perfect. that's good news that is um wonderful news so yeah and you know by the way I was supposed to organize this show today, and I did a terrible job of it. As I didn't you, even as, like. Have, as, I, as Lucas reminded me today. He's like, "This woman that was supposed to come on, have you reached out to her?" And I'm like, "I don't even know." And then I found the text that I never read, apparently. So but yeah, that's, it, anybody that knows you would just go, "Oh, okay." <laughs> well, and anyone and anyone who's heard the show goes, "Well, this doesn't sound <laughs> right. any different from normal." Yeah, that, this isn't weird to anyone out there. Does it feel terrible to be such terrible people? Like, does it feel bad in your hearts to be who you are? No, I'm. And actually, kind of good. We're gonna. It. What were you gonna say, Chris? I'm I sorry. I'm no kind of good with it. I'm, doesn't bother me I, to be terrible. Doesn't bother you. No. How does your wife handle? And we we need to get into wives, but how okay. does your wife handle you, Chris? Because I feel like your wife is a wonderful woman, and I feel like dealing with you must be painful for she, her. Sometimes she mostly tries to keep her distance. That's does she? Yeah. Well, when we found out the football season, social distancing has been going on for a long time. Oh yeah. No, she doesn't touch now. me. No, we in fact, we have much like, <laughs> much That's like what? perhaps what one of my say? close friends who I just talked to this afternoon or evening before we began recording, just like he and his wife sleep in separate beds. Uh, so do <laughs> my wife and I now, <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to respect this friend's privacy and not get into any <laughs> details about well, why where, yeah, when, you all, yeah, you, you would wouldn't want to embarrass them if no. they were like a co-host or something. You, you know, you wouldn't really want to have terrible. that kind of thing happen. I'm not going to do anything um, like because that, that would be really sad. No, but my one, my <laughs> wife found out. So fo- I'm, as you know, I'm a football coach. And when my wife found out that the football season had been moved, uh, to, uh, to begin in February 15th is when our first practice will be instead of August 15th, like it normally is because the WIAA and all of their genius, moves decided that what they should do is move all of the all of the sports seasons and truncate all of them uh so at least we still get to have a football season i suppose but i don't think moving it was the right call but it wasn't my call so anyway when she found when she found that out she looked at me in horror and goes 
I don't know what I'm going to do with you around here for four months. <laughs> So. Well, she could have you build another deck. Well, you didn't build it. You no. lazily organized. No, I tore down the old deck and set out the set out the the ground and leveled it all out. You slapped some and... wood around. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Nobody thinks that you 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 kicked a couple pieces of wood down and right. called it a day. Pushed my children around. I actually I made my children do it. So, I mean, That's you're the only reason to have really children. an appalling person. But look, Lucas, how does your wife, who's also a wonderful woman, deal with you? I'm wonderful to live with. I don't believe that for a second. In fact, when I asked her that, we've actually had this conversation. I was told that Lucas cannot get a piece of clothing into a bin. Didn't she come on the show and tell us? Oh, I could. Oh, that's right. The underwear laying around the house. Yeah, there's like like underwear. I'm on our back deck. There's not underwear everywhere. That's that is not. That's kind of what what she said. So you should take that. the yeah, I I have a tendency to I kind of have multiple closets is kind of what I like to think about it, and uh, like the back of the chairs in the kitchen, those serve as nice hanging racks for mm-hmm. some of my clothes. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like the guy who comes in the house and like changes immediately of walking in the house, but like I don't make it upstairs to change. So you're so, the you're the Oscar. Like, you're the Oscar Why are you in the so busy? Couple. I, I got stuff I do. But I got what? people. What? I don't. You, I, you like get up at that. I have, get up you at multiple. Ten, you get up I at have, ten and spend hours reading books. Okay, I do it, not get up at raging. It's I do read really for is. a while. Here's what I'm reading right now. Reading this one. God, was, see, sometimes you put up these nice posts about these books that you're reading, and all I on, like on Facebook and Twitter, all I want to do is kind of like nerd alert and mock you for being. <laughs> no, all I want to do is punch you because nobody. Like you are. I have a reading routine. And then I have, so like this week, I've been working with my staff a lot. We've been doing daily meetings. I've been working from home. And, uh, you know, it's there's stuff happening. Hmm. I mean, hmm. I just hate you. So I understand. Having, actually, I will say Lucas has been very helpful, very supportive. Mm. And, and both of, both of you I'm have wonderful. been. Because I, I have been MIA a little bit. And, you know, here's and the crabby. thing, though. And crabby. I've been a little bit crabby. Little I've, bit been, I've actually been in a really bad mood to the point where, and you know what? I have a lot to be grateful for, so I shouldn't be. But I think it's just like, you know, I'm also teaching a college class starting right. Monday. Right. Of course. And so, you know, those people with second homes, they can get a little they grabby. Do. They get up. That's and how that yep, gets. That's right. I mean, you know what? I just, I am the king of taking on too much. And I feel like you could probably relate. To, I think that Lu- Chris is too smart to take on too much. Lucas, I feel like you I take on see, too much. I take on too many oh, things that I don't get. I get take on too many things I don't get paid for. At least you get paid for the idiocy you do. See, well, I, I did that for a long time, and I still do it occasionally, but I've gotten better about figuring out ways to, I would say, leverage my talents. Um, I have a particular set of skills, <laughs> so every now and then somebody needs those, and uh, I, will find I can you. pay for it. <laughs> I will find you. Well, and I, will I don't you. know. I, I do need to like tone it down but the thing is you know in the era of covid i was actually because you know i can be i don't want to be a flaky person because i take on so much and i was actually getting better and then covid hit and i was and i said yes to everything you know and that's a problem here's your problem billy let me tell you okay this is this is the this is the the key you should actually be taking on more but you need to hire an assistant i you know what i should hire chris i'll be your assistant you know what (laughs) hire andrea and you know what? You know he, he, can't, a, he can't. I think murdered Andrea. in five minutes. <laughs> Andrea is the most efficient. My wife is the most efficient person, so she well, would actually know. be a, a wonderful person to organize. Because I have all these things, but I can't get them. I can't fit it in. You, you know what I mean? 
I li- I just have people that I that they get my madness and I go follow me and they walk down the hallway with me and I go okay I got this I got this and this and this and this and this and then they make it happen. Hmm. See that's yeah. I mean you know you're giving me good ideas. So okay. I pa- I'll, apparently I'll send you a bill. Can we actually talk about something that happened the other night? This involves my wife and a moth. I was just gonna ask if maybe you were gonna hire her for moth you know bug duty. So go ahead. So there's a lot of things. My wife is terrified, and now she's made my children terrified of every single insect. So if an insect comes near her, I mean, it's like DEFCON. It's not just like, oh, I don't like them. She is terrified of insects. And now my oldest daughter is terrified of insects, too, because it's a, it's a bad example that you set when you freak out every <laughs> single time. So my wife was in the house i had saw i saw this giant moth and it was actually big enough where even i was like oh that thing's na-. it was like butterfly sized moth oh, okay? Really? okay it was big and it was black okay and so the dog's an idiot and wouldn't go back in the house and so i'm holding the door and i was like that moth is gonna get in and so the moth got in and now i realized the dog wasn't done going to the bathroom he wanted to go back out to poop so I, I'm like, well, the moth is in the house. And it took my wife two seconds. She probably heard it flapping its wings because it was gigantic. And all this, she just starts screaming. And I just took my phone out. I didn't stop. I didn't help. I didn't go back towards the house. That's just the time laughed, period we live in. And I just filmed it. And so, Chris, do you have the audio? I have. I just, I clipped it so we got the screen because it's, it's largely visual. Because watching her close and open the door and try to get this thing out. <laughs> waving. What is she waving? She a magazine? In her hand. She had some papers in her hand. I don't know where this. she got them. So this is just this short little screen that we got from, An- from Andrea. <laughs> and, of course, Billy laughing in the background. <laughs> I mean, that sounds murderous. It right sounds there. murderous. <laughs> just play it one more time. <laughs> Now, this went on for 20 seconds or so, and I only captured part of it, but it brought me so much joy. And I said, I'm going to have to share that. And even she realized how absurd it was. And she was like, go ahead. So she she gave me permission. <laughs> oh, that's good. But that's what it's like living with her. Yeah. She cannot handle an insult. Oh, my wife's the same way. She had, to, I think I've told you before, Billy, we had a spider in the van over in another in another town where my daughter was playing softball. There's a spider in the van. My wife couldn't get to it or find it because she had seen it and it crawled in the corner. She couldn't find it anymore. Oh, that's the worst. She was getting an, a ride home with someone else and was leaving the car in this other town, which is 45 minutes away. The spider away. that you see and then you look away and then you look back and it's gone, right. that is like, that's just the worst oh, thing I ever. Don't like, I actually don't. We had like a deer spider and have you seen them? No. They're like they're yeah. they're like tarantula yeah, sized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was in the front of our house, and she lost it. We sprayed it with a hose. Even I didn't. I wanted oh. no part of it. My, I didn't. And they're not. They're ooh, harmless. I just pulled one of those up. Yeah, yeah they're, they're awful. Gross. Um. So, my, so, go ahead. My sister, my uh, two spider things. My one. My sister works uh out um out near the river, at the at a plant out there, and. There was a huge, well, an orb spider. You know, they got the big old bag, like she oh, yeah, yeah. you know. And one of the guys saw it. I think it had been in one of his boots or something. And they found it and they knocked it out. And they, she said it was huge, like enormous, and the big bulbous back. And one of them stepped on it, right? And hundreds of little babies came crawling oh. right out of the back. I'm like, you kill me now, burn <laughs> the bad. burn the That's place bad. down. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I had it. my dog step on a spider and had that happen here recently. Oh, so gross. I don't know if I said that on the oh. show or not, but. Yeah. That is awful. Yeah, yeah we no went, good. We went camping. No bueno. We went camping for fourth, for not fourth, uh, for Labor Day weekend, and 
my wife does not like to camp, and so we didn't stay overnight. We just left the kids there with my sisters, and they. Uh, I don't like to camp either. More power the, to JC. I'm not place, doing it. The either. park, the the campground where we stayed has a has is famous for having lots and lots of spiders, and this place um, did. And so my wife was, of course, terrified the entire time we were there. She refused to sit under any trees because these spiders have a tendency to just kind of drop down right from the. Trees I'm not into that. Land in your food. No, so. I'm not. If I'm going to go camping, I want it to be someplace cold enough to where there's like no bugs and you have the fire <laughs> yes. and a nice tent. This is like, like that's when okay I went, for me. When I went to West Monroe, Louisiana to visit Missy and, and Jace Robertson for this Missy Robertson series that we were working on, and he was telling me about these trips into the woods in Louisiana. First of all, they have snakes everywhere and they're poisonous. They're all over the grass. Yeah. They're everywhere. I didn't leave the house the whole time. I was like, I'm staying inside this house. And and then and like people I was with, they went out and they walked for two seconds and they saw the snakes. I mean, they're they're wow. they're in the water. But if you're if you're gonna be around snakes, I think being with the Robertson family is probably the safest. Oh place no, they're great. Absolutely. They know what they're doing. I mean, I just can't. I can't, I don't really care about the snakes. It is the giant hand sized spiders that oh, they were describing yeah. in the woods that no. I. Can't, like yeah, what can't in the world? I can't do like, this we need like a Christian version of the Bear Grylls show. Where we go out in the woods with those guys, <laughs> and we camp and we do the church boys out there. Can you imagine? It would be awesome. The Blaze, uh, excuse me, Tyler, if you're listening over at the Blaze or anybody at the Blaze, this is a good idea. It would be. You should put it. And out. we will do it. Great idea. We should have us uh, do all sorts of things. But is this what will 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 bring me back to the Blaze? The show to embarrass me. I don't mind if you if people wanted. We actually talked about this at Pureflix. It was a joke that we could do a show like that. I was like, I would totally do it. Me too. Because I would be awful. I would be the. I would do so terribly on that show. It would be this, so entertaining. This is Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of screaming, I, I pulled a I pulled a screaming. Uh, your mm. wife's scream reminded me of something else I heard this week. So when you're parachute, it's it's not uncommon for people when they're learning to parachute. You you, you uh, jump in tandem, right? You tie to somebody else, and that's when you first learn to parachute. And it's not uncommon for someone to pass out, right, while they're parachuting. It's not an uncommon thing to have happen. Well, this guy is jumping in tandem with another guy and passes out, right? And he wakes up whilst coming to the ground and doesn't know where he is. And so I have shortened this clip from a while to just a, to about like six or seven seconds. But the guy he's flying with, the, the instructor, is, is no problem at all. He's looking at the camera because he's got some sort of camera GoPro on a stick or something. And the guy's passed out, and he see him lifting his, he's lifting the guy's head and trying to talk to him and slapping his face, trying to wake him up. And this guy, is he is out. And then finally the guy wakes up, and like I said, the, the, the student who had passed out doesn't know where he is and didn't remember that he was... That he was um, parachuting so this is the response this is fantastic hey <laughs> can you imagine you pass out and you wake up and you're ten thousand feet off the ground i would never jump out of an airplane so let's start there <laughs> i would have a really hard time i've thought about that a lot i've, I've pictured myself there going could i do this and I don't think it's for me. I just don't see the point. Like, it's not exciting to me. I don't even like going on roller coasters. Like, why am I flying? Yeah. I I mean, like, like in an airplane. I mean, everyone, that's different. I mean, (laughs) you you don't feel like you're dying. I feel like the, I don't like that feeling of my stomach coming up to my throat. Like, I'm not into that. Have Mm. you ever flown? I went indoor skydiving one time. That was fun. Oh, really? I mean, I mean, like, jumping off the top bunk kind of deal. 
you like jump into this big fan oh, that it's like it's like a trampoline material above it yeah. and then there's a fan below it blowing up and then you jump out and you can like do flips and everything else oh, okay so it wasn't just gatlinburg like yeah pigeon just... forge i went oh i've been there not to the yeah. skydiving thing but uh i feel we'll like have to go I feel like that's the kind of thing where, like, I'm the one person where the air turns off or something, and the, and, like, or the fan slows down. The, the fan trampoline slows, rips. The fan slows down. <laughs> yeah. The fan slows down just enough that it sinks you down into the blades. Well, yeah, exactly. It's still exactly. <laughs> that's like what would happen this week. Um, <laughs> so I feel like don't do anything is, adventurous this week. Bob. I can't. I just can't. I'll. I by tomorrow night I'll feel so much better. Allegedly. Um, that's so, what alcohol does. So. <laughs> <laughs> Chris has never. Can I tell? Can I say this, Chris, about you and alcohol? Yeah, I don't care. Can I tell you? So we've talked. About I don't know what you're going to say. Has never had care. a sip of alcohol in his life, which I think That's is fascinating. Yeah, no, I'm here for it. Scanlon, I, Kate Scanlon is very disappointed in me. But I, I see why people don't. I don't drink. Take, right. You have wine sometimes, don't you? No, I, I've had wine, but I don't drink. Oh, I had wine with your wife. You were there, but you didn't have any. Oh, now yes. things are starting to come together. Yes, I don't know what I that see. means other than. Well, she's the better of the two, That's obviously. clearly true. I, I um, grew up, a, some, the legalist doesn't always leave you, even when you become a grace teacher, you know, that sort of thing. Man. I'm not a big fan. I don't like, I don't like what alcohol does or what alcohol is. I do like wine. So yeah. I don't, do I love wine? Am I obsessed with it? No. Well, I have a glass or two every other week yeah yeah i mean do i need to have it no yeah it's a, for me for me it's a it's a it's not a legalistic thing and i get why some for some people people might see it as that and i'm not saying that you see it as that lucas but for me it was just um i for well it's multifold. one is i come from a family that there's some alcoholics on so it's like the easiest way to not become an alcoholic and have that issue is to not start drinking and i just yeah. it's not worth it it has no appeal to me God has made it clear to me. It's like, hey, that's just not for you. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That yeah. doesn't bother me any. And the other is the church I grew up in and still attend, the the Church of the Nazarene has has always said has always advised its members to you know abstain from alcohol. And the reason for that was the reason that the way the church founded was very missional and missional in reaching people who were alcoholics and people who were drug addicts and people who lived on the streets and dealing with their issues there. And they said, we, we want our people to abstain, not just because we think it's a better lifestyle, but because the people we're trying to serve and minister to have drinking problems and have alcohol problems. So you know what? Just don't have it around you. It makes, makes everything easier. And no, I, I think that's I've, a great that. perspective. And, and, you know, I think that, um, you know, for me, I mean, I, as being a grace, you know, kind of this radical grace message that we're in, I believe that all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I've had a glass of wine before. I've, I just, I just never felt good um, anytime that that I consumed alcohol. And just, you know, between me and food allergies and everything else, it just like it just didn't feel like a healthy path. And like you, I mean, we've seen a lot of people's lives just decimated by alcohol. And I think a lot more people use it as a crutch than are able to admit how much they use it as a crutch. You know, and so, and I think that, I mean, that's even, you know, that's prevalent even in the Christian world. And yeah. so I think that, uh, and, and for me being like, uh, being a pastor, it's just way easier to say that, you know, to, to, to avoid it and not allow it to be something that causes sure. people to yeah. freak out or stumble yeah. or something like that. Yep. 
No, I think that's smart. And and you know, I we and I don't want to do this now because I think we should actually plan for it. And maybe next week we should talk about marijuana because I think it'd be interesting oh, to great. have that conversation. So uh, you know, I am probably the most we, extreme out we, of the three of us. All on we marijuana. have to do, all we have to do is bring up marijuana, Lucas. That's all we have to do. And then you and I can turn off our microphones and our headphones, and we'll just let Billy go I for an hour and a half. Go. I it will be, go. Be, um, no problem. Be easy for us. You know, we should probably start the show because. We've yeah. suddenly got serious and heavy, which is which is. Dr. Billy mentions marijuana. So we're going to go. We're talking about marijuana. So we're going to go ahead. Week. We're going to start the show here in just a minute. So, but, but let me transition us to what the show is supposed to be like. Here we go. So today we're going we're going to talk about um, how a lot a lot of things are stupid right now because there's because there's a whole bunch of uh, stupid people who are making decisions. Ladies and gentlemen. Hello! From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. Billy Hollowell. Hey, does this suit make me look fat? It's not what he said, you ignorant wretch. Chris Field. Bad guy in little gold. Let me tell you why I suck. Lucas Miles. I want you to forget what you saw here today. Aw, I've interrupted happy time. The Church Boys. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I hate these guys. It's taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's just, when you think about it. Oh, <laughs> I think we've clear, we've gotten the seriousness out of our system and now we're back to being stupid. Oh speaking of speaking of stupid, um, <laughs> I think we should get back to this subject here. Billy, you wrote a book. It's your sixteenth, uh, seventeenth book. No, you're like tied mm-hmm. with George Barna now. I think. Oh my gosh! You know what? First of all, and Chris and I have had this conversation. Writing books, I actually am not a big like I need to write a book right now person. Like I, I I'm just not. I, I think the first time I wrote one, I, I've always been really passionate about the topic. But this topic, with playing with fire, yeah. It made me really uncomfortable in the mm. beginning. Chris knows this, and I think I've talked to both of you about this. I was really afraid of the topic, admittedly, and I shouldn't have been, but I was. And right. so not only was I afraid of the topic, I felt like I didn't want to get it wrong, and I didn't right. want to do something that would hurt people's understanding or faith. Well, I was glad that, I was glad that WB was able to talk you into doing it, so that was good. So <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> we won't go there. We won't even well, talk about that, I suppose. I this had was be- actually... Go ahead. <laughs> well, I just I had people who were not speaking positively into me about this project for, throughout the whole thing, even though there were people like you guys who I would talk to about who had been very negative about it and felt that it was actually damaging to write a book about this topic. And that what it would was actually and, not and, be helpful. And so first, tell people the topic, and then and then sure. what were the arguments against? I mean, we can all understand. I think the arguments for. I mean, you've talked about that. You felt like this is yeah. something you wanted God you wanted you to write about, right? What, what would be the reasons to not? Well, the topic is demons, possession, exorcism, a modern sort of investigation into something we've known has been with us since the beginning of time and something that is described throughout the New Testament. I mean, repeatedly described throughout the New Testament. And we see Jesus, you know, one third of his, a good solid chunk of his healings are actually healing people of, you know, possession. We don't know how many others he did. We just know the stories that we have. Um, And there, there are a number of them and they're really compelling. I think that people feel that when you give attention to this 
in the wrong way, and I don't feel like doing it this way is in the wrong way, that you're giving it authority and power and that you're giving Satan attention and that, and that that is what he wants. And Lucas, I want you to disagree if you do, but my view is that I think Satan loves to hide in the shadows and doesn't want the church talking about spiritual warfare or any of these other things because it's much easier to then have influence over culture. That would be my take. No, I would, I would agree with that. I think that, uh, I think that, you know, and I think you handled that well, you know, throughout the book and, and just kind of a, a very balanced approach to it. I mean, honestly, I was thinking like our first conversation when you and I met was about the book of Joe, because we were talking about my book at the time, which kind of covered some of that. And then we talked about, I think one of the stories that's in here from the Indiana account that was like the first thing you shared with me when we were at NRB um, between or I think it was right before we recorded or whatever. So the um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm this has been I don't want to say in you for a while because that and, yeah. given the topic, I don't know as though that uh, that idiom <laughs> works very well. <laughs> but I'm glad it's come out now. Yes. Yeah, um, no, the, it's true. No, I think this is this has just been something that's been brewing for a while. And I think that it's an important topic. And I think you kind of fought it for a time but i think it's it's i mean what a better year than 2020 to yeah. release the demons right you know Seriously, so let's I mean, let's talk this, about this, there's no I mean, better there's no better year <laughs> there's no better year for this for this book than than 2020 well, you know and a lot of people i think there are people who are looking at it and they're like what a weird topic this is bizarre you know and it's hard it's like oh you're not going to be able to get in and you know, talk to anybody in the media about it because it's not election related and it's weird and it's like well listen I think I feel like within the church, the fact that we're concerned that something is weird, it's weird that we're sitting here on this platform right now recording a podcast and that we have existence. It's all weird. The fact that we're alive is weird and it's complex and it's but it's actually not that weird when you start to break it all down and it's part of our faith. So why are we picking and choosing? I agree. And there's no better way to tie it into the election than exorcism. I think that that is, <laughs> <laughs> that might be quite necessary. Is that what Joe Biden was having done in exorcism it's taken during that clip? More than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the exorcism, right. I assume. Um, and you know, he doesn't remember any of it. No, so it's fine. No. Um, you know, I I just I, I do think that it's dangerous that the church has gotten and what was so crazy. I don't know if you saw this in the book, Lucas. You, I know you're a reader, we've, which we've talked about, but I do there like is, there's polling data that we were able to get from church leaders. And they weren't all pastors, but a lot of them were people within different leadership positions. And, you know, 87 percent of them think that demons basically can impact culture. Eighty five percent of church leaders feel they obviously impact people. They read the Bible, so they understand that. Uh, but then 78% of them feel that pastors and churches are not talking enough about this issue. Mm. So that's like yeah. right there you have the problem. And so, but I, I do think, and I would love to get with your perspective. And I talk about this in the book. There's the other side of seeing a demon behind every doorway where I think it actually hurts the church too. And maybe that's one reason why people outside of ignorance don't talk about it enough is because it becomes too much to a degree. I, you know, some things that I've seen is when we start doing battle with things that we're not actually experiencing, I think that has a way of, and this, I don't have my theology worked out on this perfectly, but I think that just has a way of kind of bringing up stuff that isn't really there. You know, there was a, um, a mentor of mine tells a story about how uh, there was a group of people that went back to, I think it was Ephesus to 
to march around the old temple of Diana. And, you know, this was just this ancient, you know, pagan goddess. And, and like they were, it was almost like they were bringing this thing back. You know, they thought they were doing battle against the stronghold. There was a guy that I encountered uh, fairly early on in ministry that, you know, he was a pastor in our city and he was like doing things like where he was taking like bags of salt as a Christian pastor, taking bags of salt up river and dumping them in the St. Joe river in South Bend, Indiana to cleanse the river as it would go downstream of like these ancient, you know, native American spirits that were in this, I mean, just weird stuff. And you're going, man, you're, you're a pastor. Like, mm. how about we figure out a different approach to this? And yeah. so I don't see Jesus as a demon hunter. I see him as somebody who is there to minister love, forgiveness, grace, you know, to remove people's shame, all those things. If he encounters something, he's going to deal with it, but he's not going looking for it. So, one of the things that there are two things that really stood out to me in writing this that I thought were interesting. And one were the two stories where you have what appear to be children. One of them we know is described as a little boy. And then you have the, you have a little girl and um, that whole question of, Oh my goodness, how does a child become possessed? I mean, how does that happen? And with the boy, you have him being, the father says he's throwing him, you know, it's throwing him into fires. It's, you know, trying to kill him essentially. Um, so there's that. And then there's this other element that I found the most fascinating, and it has to be intentional. And we can talk about the first one after, but I wanted to mention the second one. And that is that we don't, we're never given a reason in those instances, the specific instances, why those people were afflicted. Yeah. So you're not given the entry point. They didn't have Ouija boards back then, but it's not like they're, we're not told what they were doing. I mean, they and had that, other stuff. Yeah, sure. Right. They did. They right. totally yeah. did. And other gods and other, and other religions. And, and so, okay, so I have a question, and maybe you address this in the book. I haven't read it yet. In fact, I've spent most of my time with your book doing this. You'll notice that if I were to hold this up and flip through it, you'd notice a lot of missing pages. Because I do a lot of this with things I don't like. So there's a lot of that going on <laughs> with the book. Which makes it easier I'm to burn. So. I thought you were eating the pages. That was my. I was going to be my guess. That would be you next. Just thought it was. You thought it was a Klondike bar. But so, apparently. but um, uh, and maybe again, like I say, maybe you address this in the book. Uh, and Lucas, I I hear from a lot of. I've heard from a lot of pastors and theologian people that maybe not all of the demon possession stuff that happened and that Jesus dealt with were actually like demons as we would assume them to be. With you know. Tails and horns or whatever else, but maybe just another disease that they didn't know what else to call, like epilepsy. Sometimes there could be epilepsy, and they called it a demon, but it wasn't really. What's your experience with that and that explanation for some of, not all, but some of the demon possession stories in the in the Bible? Well, let's. I'll I'll uh, default to the to the author here, or defer to the author here initially, and then I can give you my perspective. Yeah, what's interesting about that perspective is it's one that was shared by a paranormal radio host who interviewed me the other day about this, and I thought it was interesting. I feel like when you look at the stories and disagree, Lucas, you are the pastor. I'm the person who looked at this, you know, through this lens of, you know, trying to understand it. The stories to me feel collectively like they're part of a a puzzle that fits together really nicely. And like for instance, not sharing how those people were afflicted. That is a universal thing in every one of those stories. So to me, I don't see those stories as separate. I see them as connected with purpose. And so to me, when you talk about casting the demons into pigs, when you talk about the guy coming out of the catacombs, coming out of, you know, mm -hmm. well, there are two and, and you know, two versions of it, but 
the guy who com- the guy who comes out and he's acting insane. He's got extra you know, supernatural strength, and you know the attributes that you're given of these people, and they're different for the different cases. To me, would not be explainable by some sort of other illness. And I think if that were the case, we would have to really doubt many other parts of the Bible because of how those stories are presented. So it it creates a lot of problems to have that theology, I think. Yeah, I mean, and but there's a lot of people that would hold to that. And I think that more and more, uh, you know, and I would call this, you know, that my language for this is leftist theology. It's leftist uh, uh, Christianity, basically. And I don't mean that politically. I mean that as in the sense of progressive. And progressive is the desire to kind of always discover something new and that we're going to leave foundational truths and look for this new thing. And I think people are doing that. It's a revisionist history of scripture in the same way we have revisionist history of America. So, you know, with Jesus specifically, I think if, if he's calling things evil spirits and demonic, and then we're correcting him later, and just saying, yeah. well, he just didn't understand science yeah. at that time, you right. know? Right. I think that starts becoming really problematic. I mean, and we see this language continue. I mean, I'm just, I'm reading, I, I held up that book earlier, just, Justin Martyr, uh, First and Second Apologies. He's talking, I actually sent Billy some of that this week. He's he's referencing, uh, you know, first and second century kind of demonic spirits. We see it in Augustine. We see it, you know, throughout Christian uh, writings and literature, and we see it today, which obviously Bill, you did a great job of covering in the book. And so, you know, this is this is not a um, this is a topic that's been here. It's and I don't think it's it's dealt with enough. But I think that we have to make sure we deal with it within the context of Scripture and use scriptural language to describe, you know, spiritual things. Yeah. Well, so, and a great example of that, and this comes up with every interview, and it's the part of the book that I hated writing the most, and it was about ghosts, you know, like mm-hmm. this idea of people dying and remaining behind. And, you know, you have to go back to Scripture. Like, all these people want to go out and say, oh, people are dying everywhere, and they're haunting places. And it's like, well, what examples do we have in Scripture of that happening, right? And you have examples of strange things, and we've talked about this, Lucas, strange things that are happening that appear to be that, but they're really not, in the in, in my view, in context Samuel being conjured yep, up, it right? Was a big one. Yep. Yeah. Right. That now we don't actually know if it was an apparition, if it was obviously God allowed it. In every context that I've seen, <laughs> you know, after after Jesus Obvi- dies. I want to correct that statement. Obviously, it's in scripture. So it right. happened. Right. It happened. It's right. recorded. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Right. It right. happened. God didn't stop okay. it from happening. I'm gonna have a I didn't mean I didn't mean for it to allow that way. You know what I meant. <laughs> oh, I know what you meant. Oh, I know. But what I what I meant by allow, and I know you hate this word. There we go. What I meant by that was that clearly, in order for that to happen, it was supernatural in some way. Whether it was a vision, whether it was actually him, whether it was God totally. speaking through him, yeah. right? In some yeah. way. When you see that again and again after Jesus' death, the people coming out of their tombs, which I had never noticed, you know, it's almost like this zombie like, you know, they're witnessing to everybody and they've emerged, you know. That's not a haunting, though. It's again, it's attached to Jesus. It's attached to this major event that's happened. And so, you know, you can go through these different pieces, but there aren't rampant examples anywhere in Scripture of people dying in haunting places or or coming back in in that way. Would you disagree with that? No, I would agree with that. And, you know, I'm not an expert on this. I I've. I've done a little study on it. There, there's certain things like the there's there's a reason why you know say uh, in the case of whether it be Jesus rising from the dead or uh, even in the story of Lazarus, where you have this kind of three day time period. So there was a belief within Judaism that it basically the spirit left the body 
right. after after that time period and that there was no opportunity and so so can uh, i ask I, can i ask what the what the basis for that is because that might that might start to explain some tradition of ghosts if they believe that the spirit doesn't leave the body for three days is there something else the spirit's doing in those three days is that something, i don't could that i don't know i wish i that? i wish i was i wish i was more prepared for that but i didn't go i actually didn't get into I, I really wanted to go light on the ghost stuff. Yeah. And I actually ended up going heavier in that. You know, I went through the different examples that we just talked about and explained them. Um, and, you know, here's what's going on. But I do think, you know, and I think when I, these paranormal podcasts, which I love going, I have no problem going on. I mean, Are they focusing great. on that when you go on, on the ghost side of it? They have, they've been more, con I think they're more intrigued by, it's a, you know, when we're Christians, we have a framework. We have a, we have the Bible. We have paranormal people, their framework is their experience, right? A lot of them. Um, and so I think they're intrigued by the fact that everything is within the confines of what scripture says. So they're probably playing around some of them. I don't know if the guy I spoke to is with, you know, Ouija boards and or with other tools trying to trying to connect with the dead things we know we're not supposed to be doing. Right. So we would we would say those things open doors. And that to, happens all you know, like people are doing that all the time. Yeah, you know, I was right. watching. Uh, I'm going to say this out loud. I was watching the Kardashians. You're watching what now? earlier this the oh, Kardashians they're earlier this year. It. I did. I did cry a little bit that they're canceling it. And, um, you know, they had a couple of the sisters went to, you know, kind of this medium that was, you know, kind of trying to conjure up these spirits and talk to, you know, the dead. And I think that that is a probably much more common practice that people just don't talk about. And even if it's not a formal thing, I think you have people who are praying to loved ones and talking yeah. to loved ones and, and, you know, having this rather than going to the Lord. And I don't think there's anything wrong with like, if you've lost somebody and you say something like, you know, if you, let's say you, let's say somebody lost their father and you go, well, pops, you know, you really, you know, you really taught me that, you know, or, or what, like, I don't think that's like this blasphemous yeah, that's sort a of thing. That's a sentimentality. That's not. Yeah. But yeah. when we're like, when we're actually trying to fellowship and see and cultivate this relationship, I think that that, you know, just becomes, becomes dangerous. So, you can, start playing with fire. Let's, <laughs> Billy, I want you, I, we need to take a quick break. We're going to play this Edify ad. We'll come back. And I want you to tell about, uh, I want to, I want to explore the Ouija board thing and the, and the mediums and all that stuff. I think that stuff is fascinating. And I think it's difficult for someone, listen, I, you guys spend time with, with people with all ages, as we all do. I spend a lot of my time with teenagers. So I need to be able to explain to them logically and to a 15 year old brain, why some of these things are dangerous and how they're dangerous and what why that is. I also am interested to know, because you said there are several people who told you you shouldn't do the book. Have have any of those people changed their minds and what caused them to change their minds on whether mm. you should do the book? Because I remember you and I having a lot of back and forth, like, should I do it, should I not? I'm like, well, you know, and I was... You said I wouldn't want to get it wrong. You had said yeah, that, that too. That was yeah, my thing. Yeah, I just, I, if yeah. you do it, you don't want to get it wrong. So we're going to take a quick break. We will come back and Billy will answer the question about people who maybe changed their minds on whether you should do it. And then try to help us have an explanation for people, because really, this is the stuff that people really care about. They don't get the whole Jesus, God, Bible stuff. That's not where they live. But what they do— But they're going to see The Conjuring. Right. Right. They're going to see all those— And they see the Ouija right. boards, and they see the stuff in the, yeah. game, in the game shops. They see the boards. So we'll, we'll hit that in just a second. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. 
cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. The church boys. Man, I eat these guys. All right, so we're back talking about Billy's new book, um, Playing playing with, playing with Fire. I can't hardly read it on that. I'm just kidding. Playing with Fire. Uh, one of the things I told you, Billy, when you... When they when they designed the cover for this, you're like, I'm not sure if I like that or not. Right at the beginning, yeah. But now I, I love it, but right? Yes. And it's grown on you. I loved it. I think from the beginning yeah. because it's kind of got this. I, it's got a, like a, a retro vibe to it. It's got a '70s kind of vibe, don't you think? Doesn't it look like I, something yeah. like something from the '70s kind? Of, I, I absolutely adore it. It's, it's thing, Exorcist like. Yeah, and it, the thing for, I love for those searching for the the book, the subtitle is a modern investigation into demons, exorcism, and ghosts. That's because a lot I've of things are called playing with fire. Like I realized yeah. that as I was searching. Yeah. I didn't realize there were so many movies and books. And I, I went fire. to I went to Amazon slash dot com slash books and typed in playing with fire and it came up on like my second page the first time I did it. And then I realized I was probably in the wrong section. Anyway. Um, probably spelling it wrong. That's probably you. also true. But then also this paper, I'm see. I still love newspapers because I'm an old fart. I love newspapers. I love tactile things. I love books. I prefer books to reading them, printed books versus <laughs> reading them on my iPad. Agreed. This book cover, I just, I, it feels good. It feels like anyway. I know I sound like a I, nerd, lo- I love, I love what they did with it. And and you know, we covered, I covered The Exorcist in it, you know, quite a bit. There's a chapter on The Exorcist, and because that movie, it's crazy, and we can get into that too. But the movie is fascinating, and the impact it's had on culture. And honestly, the Ouija board is involved in that too. Yeah. That was part of the film, right? The little girl's playing with the Ouija board. That's All right. So we want to. Yeah. I, I want to get into. Did anybody change their minds on whether or not you should write the book? Because I know you and I. You and I, when we discussed, I'm sure Lucas too, hemmed and hawed. Like, should we do it? Should you do it? Should you not? Here are the pluses. Here are the minuses. But you had some people who were very much, very adamantly against you doing it. And I think. Oh no! It, yeah, it was like an actual argument. And I think there people. are one or two people based on the conversations you and I had at the time. That kind of kind of came around on it. They're like, you know what? Maybe you should do it. I want to know what changed your mind. They came around on it and then back and, and then went back again. But yeah. yeah, I mean, people. Here's what happened. People were really negative about it, and they told me I was going to be spiritually attacked. And you know, they went. They had a whole. And listen, I went into this like praying every day more than I ever had, reading my Bible every day more than I ever had, and I did that, and I've continued to do that. Because I, you know, I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about, you know, you don't want to open up when you're dealing with this kind of stuff. You don't want to open something up that's going to be problematic for you or your family. Or And you want to make sure it was a good reminder for me in general about faith, because I would say this before I just answer that directly. When you look at evil, to me, actually, for the first time in my life, looking at what does the Bible say about Satan? What does it say about the demonic? And in isolating that, it actually points you back to Christ. It right. actually makes you say, wow, I, I, this is why I need Jesus, right. right? There is a battle over good and evil. We know what Ephesians 6 says. And so it just reaffirmed all of that. I would say that those people in the end really didn't come around. And I stopped caring about that yeah. because I knew I was supposed to do it. I prayed a lot about it. I felt like, you know what? It's going to open a conversation for people. And I hope that it benefits people. I don't really care part of you struggle with that. Hey, I really want my book to be successful because I want to write more in the future on topics I care about. Not because I want to write more books. I want to write more about things I care about. But if God says you're never going to write another book again, then you're not going to write another book and that's okay. So I've, my approach to this is I wanted to have an impact on people. That is my main motivation. I'm not just saying that. 
And at the end of the day, however God uses that, great. Um, Those people who discouraged you from writing it, saying you're going to be spiritually attacked, they weren't wrong. Now, they might have been no. wrong on how you were spiritually attacked or why, right. right? Not because you were messing with this and then you're you're getting spiritually attacked and you're kind of you're going to fall into the realm of Satan. But rather, you were being you were being. If anybody had your had day to day info on your process of <laughs> do I do I pitch this book or do I not? They've come to me with right. it. Should I do it? Should I do? It? Yes, I will. No, I won't. And the back and forth on this, and then the process of writing it for two months. For right, two months, right? Back and and then and then the process of writing it and the interviews you've had to do and all the many glitches that have got on that to me are not. They are not happenstance, yeah. right? Well, what about the one that I told you about, which <laughs> I, I go ahead. Well, we had my wife and I had a friend who died from college and it always bothered me. And I had vocalized this. It bothered me because we never really talked to him about about Christ. We never really had those conversations. We hadn't seen him in a few years because college had ended. And um, so he he passed away and it was abrupt and sudden. And so it bothered me. And a couple of years had gone by. So the day and I'm not making this up because I told you, I think I sent you the screenshot when it happened, Chris. The day that my agent called to tell me that there was a book offer for this, which I had not had, I had no idea that they were going to make an offer on it because I wasn't actively shopping this book. Right. Um, he was on the phone with me and I was at my computer and I got a text from my wife who was upstairs and she's like, the weirdest thing just happened. Siri, she had no idea I was on the phone with my agent. Siri just went off and it said, do you want to talk to, do you really want me to call this person who had passed away? <sighs> now, this is not a phone number that's been called in four years, yeah. three years. Yeah. It's not a name that was said out loud. It's not an easy name to say. Um, and she, so she sends me the tech, the, the screenshot. How weird is this? And I'm like, and I'm like at the exact moment that he's delivering this news. Now that messed with my head. Now, am I saying that a demon made that happen? No, right. I'm not. I am saying that I find it as a person who believes in facts and figures and reality almost improbable that at the same moment Siri randomly went off on a phone that she wasn't touching with this person's name and it freaked me out enough for me to pause for a bit mm -hmm. on writing it now it's a weird story it's almost maybe somebody would say oh whatever maybe she hit it and you know whatever so I don't know it was weird and it definitely made me think a little so, so Lucas, what do you think weren't you having weird smells in your house too wasn't there what was the that was just flatulence, Chris. That was not. <laughs> no, there was something else too. But anyway, uh, what do I think? I, I, you know, there's a verse in scripture, and I don't have chapter and verse on this. So I was actually trying to pull it up. You know, it it says essentially it's a reference to, and you might cover this in the book. Uh, I don't know, but it it's a reference to Satan at the end, and it says that when we see him, basically our response will be, "Is this the one who terrorized the nations?" Hmm. And you know, the way that I read that is that when we see him at the end of time, we're going to go, this is the guy. Like, this is the guy that's this been pulling is, the this strings is what all we're along. Worried like, about. This is yeah. Because you know, my belief is that if if God is the source of life and if Satan has disconnected himself from the source of life, you know, maybe because of him being an angelic being and this sort of stuff, he's able to perpetuate life for a period of time. You know, he's not subject to mortal flesh, all of that. But it's it's like a star dying out. You know, it's just it's losing energy. He's losing energy every single day. And so I, I just I I don't want to say that I I don't I don't want to ever test the spirits or take some sort of like pompous attitude with those things. But I don't worry about that stuff. And I've I've ministered around a lot of it. It's not that I haven't experienced it. We've been 
you know, we've seen stuff in other countries. We've prayed for people here. We've, we've had, you know, you cover some of my stories in the book and which I really enjoyed, you know, being part of. And the, but my general attitude is I'm just not going to get afraid of it. You know, well, that was, um, and that's the issue, right? Cause I yeah. got afraid of it. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, that's so ridiculous, right? Like if that had happened now, I would have laughed it off in that moment. Totally. I felt I was pretty weak in this area because like most, I think like a lot, I won't say most, like a lot of Christians hadn't really thought about these subjects enough to realize that we have authority over it as Christians, that these are silly. I mean, if that were something that were attached, if to the spiritual realm in some way, it's a ridiculous thing. And it's an attempt to just sort of jab almost right now. It bothered me because I'm. It made me think about him, and I'm like, man, I never witnessed. You know, so it had this like weird. Now again, it could have been that my wife accidentally sure. or somebody on the TV said something that was similar to his name, but it was at the exact moment. So yeah. I walked away from it. Like, listen, we all have these weird things happen. I have had some other things happen that are way weirder when I've been covering these stories in the past. Um, that also had been in the back of my mind, but I'm not afraid of those things. I don't think we need to be afraid of them. Um, having said that. I think we need to be afraid. We need to be worried about doing the things that you were mentioning, the Kardashians and others. Like we need to not do those things. We okay, should so, be afraid of our own stupidity. Right. Not- so, so let's get in. Let's get into those discussions. I think the discussions about seeing a medium is something we got to be able to to talk to people about, especially especially teenagers. I think a, a Ouija board stuff. We have to be able to have conversations with everyday people about that. I think, and I and and I don't mean to connect this to Ouija boards. But I think these movies like Conjuring and other movies can be a problem or a hang-up for some people. Like, mm-hmm. a, a Ouija board is not a hang-up for me in that I just don't have them around. And if, I were to, if, I'm in a, if I'm in a toy store or a game shop that has Ouija boards, I, I don't leave the store because I'm afraid of the Ouija board, right? But there's the, also a reoccurrence with like Dungeons and Dragons, right. which are kind of in that same space. You know, the, that's, and that, and that can that be somewhat in the book. That yeah. can be a gateway for some people or they can't or whatever. I, I, I don't even know what the right terminology, but so I need to know yeah. how to have these conversations about, about movies that are, you know, demon and demonic's not the word I mean to use because it makes me sound like Nancy Nazarene, but, but talking about movies that are appropriate or inappropriate when it comes to spiritual warfare, kind of stuff when it comes to de- the demonic side, Ouija yeah. boards, m- mediums, all that stuff. It communicate with people how or why or if those things are dangerous things i mean i think and and lucas feel free to jump in i feel like when you look at the entirety of scripture we're repeatedly told to not do those things i mean we're we're not meant to know those things and if we're not meant to know them then the question is where does the power to do those things come from and that explain what does that mean to we're not meant to know those things because you just wrote a book about it so obviously you were meant to know those things to be able to explain them what does it mean we're not to know those things what I mean by know those things, I mean the future. I mean, and now, and now we're assuming that that this is going to be things you're being told by a medium that are true. Now, I do know of experiences that people have had, and in fact, I knew somebody who was able to touch things, okay? She could touch a pair of eyeglasses, and I saw this happen when I was a kid. I, I witnessed this when I was a teenager. She touched a pair of sunglasses that belonged to my deceased grandfather, okay? And I did not seek this person out. I was there when somebody else was seeking it out. And through touching those glasses was able to tell another family member about people that there's no way she could have ever known by name, by the profession they had, mm. by the interactions that they had. Those are the things I'm saying we're not meant to be knowing and doing. And scripture is incredibly clear on that. I, I think, 
you know, we are we are not supposed it's human nature. We want to know what we don't know. This is where trust comes in and faith comes right. in. All the things we're supposed to put into Christ and into into God, we turn around and try to put into people giving us this information and that. So it's dangerous for a lot of reasons. And the thing I walked away wondering was, and and I think I know the answer, but where does that power come from? If a person has that ability, and there's a lot of fake people who make it up, but if a person really has it, and this person did, I don't know that, I do not believe, it's not that I don't know, that that power is coming from Christ to do that. So I don't know that I would want to be messing around with that sort of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I, I think that, I mean, it's it's to some degree... The, the really the darker things that we're talking about here, uh, you know, the, the Ouija boards and kind of, um, you know, and I, I, I see a lot of people today kind of roll their eyes at the role playing stuff. We had a group of people that was was kind of getting them into that at our church for a time. And I'm, just, you know, and, you know, I mean, we, <laughs> Billy, you and I now have a mutual friend that that uh, that you reference in the book who was very um uh negatively impacted by those things and I, I think if he would have been around here he would have had a lot of words to speak to them about that but it's the problem is those things to some degree for most people i think are a little bit more obvious inroads sure but there's there's other anytime we make an agreement with something that's contrary to god's word god's plan god's wisdom it is a it is an agreement with something that you know there's 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 a binary choice here you're either serving God or you're serving the enemy. And I think it's there's these inroads that we make in our lives to a lesser degree that don't have maybe as drastic response. But, you know, these things that we're talking about here, that man, that gets dark real, real fast. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people realize where a lot of that ends up. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you because I've I've seen those people 10, 20, 30 years down the road and it's in counseling and spiritual therapy and these sort of yeah. things because they're they're over trying to overcome it. You know, and I want to draw a distinction that I think, because I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. There's something about, and I don't know if it's just because of how I've looked at it over the years, there's something about the Ouija board that is different from some yeah. of these other things. And I think what differentiates the Ouija board is that its entire purpose, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and all these other games are gateways for people, but they're also, they can be used by some as just games. The entire premise of a Ouija board is to communicate with yeah, that's something that you're not seeing. So if I were, and I have the book in front of me here because there's a couple of things. I went through the history of the Ouija board in the book and I was freaked out by the history of it. Like when you actually dive into like, where did this thing come from? Like, you, you know, you want to know where Monopoly came from. So you start to research it and you get an idea of where it came from. When you start to look into the Ouija board's history, man, there is some, some really wacky, wacky stuff in that history. It's very... It's very cloudy, but we know it was a medium who was involved in creating it. Okay, she claims the board the board gave her the name, and this is this goes back to the 1800s. So we're not talking about this is not something that happened in the 1900s, and it's a board. It's a tool that was it, they were called. Um, oh, what was the original term? I'm forgetting the original term for it. before it was Ouija talking boards. They were called, mm. and so they would use them and they would fashion them in a way that during wars like the Civil War. They would be using these to try to communicate. People were so upset. They were so heartbroken over the losses so that they would they would then go and they would try to communicate with their dead loved ones, right? So that's how this all started. And the guy, and his name was William Fold. Um, hold on one second here. <clears throat> his guy was William, the, the guy's name was William Fold. 
Now, he created a factory in 1927. He owned the factory where these were being produced. So this is after the talking boards became popular, became the Ouija board. He bought, inherited this company. And you can go back to the New York Times. It was February 27th. He died on February 26th. Now, this could be by chance. I find it very fascinating. I find it very interesting. It, his life came to a tragic end when he was on top of the factory where these boards were being made, a factory that he allegedly claimed the board told him to build, a new factory, and he was putting a new flag up when he fell off of the roof and died. Now, you know, you read you read this, and of course he's being, the headline was Ouija board inventor, and he wasn't the inventor. They had it wrong in the New York Times, but Ouija board inventor dies and fall off roof. And so you get into all these weird, it's peppered with these strange stories, the history of it, and, um, you know, anyway, it's it's something that is different from many of the other things. And I think that there's a real dark history there. So how do I tell a kid, you know, as, as you know, teenagers and adults play it, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But teenagers look at it as a game and they might at a, at a sleepover or, or just a party and they'll, they'll whip one out and just play around with it. How do you. Ex- OK, so you and I both understand and Lucas obviously clearly understands because he's, you know, been possessed currently is possessed but how do you how do you how do you explain to a kid okay playing with this is a gateway for satan for for a demon to come into you or or it's dangerous okay why is it dangerous how is it dangerous how does this open up anything right how do i like i'm not praying i'm not doing any how does it it's hard to explain the spiritual realm to a to a 16 year old brain right so explain it to a, a 45 year old adult brain I mean, do you want to, ta- I'm happy to tackle. Do you want to Lucas? Cause you look I like mean, you have a smile on your face. The first thing you do is you tell them to order a copy of playing with fire. Right. There you go. I think because your last name is so close to Halloween, it makes you an expert meant to be on this meant subject. To be. So yes, I hope that really sticks. <laughs> um, the, uh, so I mean, I think those are real questions and I think just having real talk and like, I mean, the, the, some of the stories in here and you don't want to just make it like Christian ghost tales right. of like, you know, what, there was a guy who played, you know, with fire yeah, and right. this happened exactly. in his life, you know, like I, you don't want to, and I think that that has a tendency to glorify stuff, but you do want to be able to say, look, like this stuff messes with your life. Like I can yeah. tell you time after time after time after time, you know, people that are coming and saying they hear voices that they're, you know, plagued with, uh, you know, all sorts of, um, you know, psychological conditions as a result of these things. And, you know, coming back to the earlier question about Jesus, I mean, there seems to be, Jesus seemed to ascribe at least certain sicknesses to having this spiritual origin. And I think that it gets dangerous if we, I think that all sickness is against God in the sense that it's, it comes with the fall and it's, it's part of, this this uh, this fallen world and these things that God has never for sickness by any means, but I don't think that that means that every single sickness is specifically a demon, mm-hmm. you know that's that's creating that situation. I think that can get you know goofy fast. It gets too. murky. And, it gets yeah. murky yeah, on the mental on the mental health front too. You know, and that's you see where... that in the Middle Ages where every time somebody sneezed and they said you know God bless you because they were afraid you know it was a demon that was you know leaving or something like that. Which twenty twenty has been like that a little bit with COVID that people have started feeling the same i think but you know i i think that we need to um COVID-19. Re- <laughs> excuse me <laughs> I, I couldn't be helped 
I just think having real talk of going, what's the draw? Yeah. You right. know, if you want to talk to a spirit, why not talk to the Lord? Yeah. You know, well, like, that's because the Lord's not going to, in their mind, tell you in an immediate fashion. And I will tell you, like what you're saying, it's telling stories in the right way, right? Because you're right, it can be glorifying. I actually think the stories of people who have gone through these things, and some of them are told in the book, but. You know, there's so many out there. And what's really crazy, if you go to the Amazon, and I talk about this in the book on the Ouija board, if you go to Amazon, you look up the Ouija board, and you start going through the reviews, these are not people who are glorifying it. They're giving it one star, and they're actually sharing in the Amazon reviews, do not buy this product, right? right. And they don't appear, some of them might be making it up, they do not appear to be making it up. Some of them seem, and I, I talk about some of the reviews, very terrified, and they talk about how hard it was but, but I think having those stories and sharing them, that this is not a fun, harmless thing. I know people who have told me stories that they're afraid to share. That That's the other problem with this is that there's a shame in sharing the spiritual experiences that people have had when they're negative for some reason. And I think it's because you don't want to be looked at as weird. Mm -hmm. But when you really start to talk to people about it, and you realize that 45% of Americans believe that demons exist, uh, which is actually higher than I would have thought it would be. Um, not ghosts, demons. And it's actually about the same for ghosts. That is that is shocking to me. So I think we have to tell those stories. We have to do it in a way that educates them and lets them know this is not good. It's not something you want to do. And go back to scripture. I mean, I had never looked at those possession stories the way that I did here and it, it it opened a lot of questions that I still have about children about you know there's so many things so yeah anyway not to ramble but I think you got to take the stories and take the scripture and bring them together and I think and I think the cautionary tale part is 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 the most important piece that you're you're sharing there as far as telling these stories because they are inter for lack of a better term they are entertaining they're compelling stories they're to listen to well you know, oftentimes it becomes like this community sort of building thing you know I can remember. You know, there was a there was an old house in our area. It's torn down now. But I went out there multiple times with friends and there was like all these legends about this abandoned house. And you go in the basement and there's, you know, everything from gang signs to cultic symbols and everything that were put on the walls. And so, you know, we just go there and like take our friends and and then, you know, like the neighbor, there was like some legend about a guy in a blue truck that would come and chase you out. That was like this this thing. And, you know, um, and, you know, you almost every state has some place where it's like you get on this road and you flash your light three times and then this spirit, you know, walks down the road and you see these lights, you know, that kind of stuff. I think it especially as kids start getting into like when they can start driving and getting into college, it becomes this fascination of like, let's play with this stuff. Well, do you see any of that in, in looking at this this subject? Yeah, what's interesting, you know, you brought to mind, we have a mental, a former, men, it was a mental institution, but it was also a home for people who basically had special needs and nobody wanted them. And so you can already start to see that. And this was a place where people were abused. Geraldo did a report on it, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's actually near here. And all of my students have been to this place. They go. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be roped off. It closed down, I want to say, like in the last 15 years, I think, the last mm -hmm. 20 years, but it was like abandoned. And when I talk to the students about it, the files are all still there, the patient files, it's really oh, wow. weird. weird. They closed it down, they vacated it, but it's the same thing you're describing. People have gone in, and and I have a big chunk in the book on infestation, which is not, it's it's the possession of a place, basically. Is that like the moths when they take over your front porch? <laughs> it sounded like an infestation. It was one moth. <laughs> But um, but infestation is a really interesting issue because not everybody believes it that it's real, you know, uh, because you don't have 
you know, you're talking about a place. You're not talking about a person. But a lot of the deliverance ministers you'll talk to, the people who perform what the Protestant version of exorcism, basically, uh, will tell you that they spend most of their time dealing with places, not necessarily people, because people possession is a lot rarer um, than we might expect. But that places, which we would call hauntings, um, are actually, you know, evil is in a place. Uh, they were they were telling me drug deals, a place that had a lot of drug deals, right? Might be a place that might attract that sort of thing, or Weird. illegal abortion clinics, those sort those sorts of things. That's you know, crazy. there's uh, there was a famous conversation between uh, I think it was C. Peter Wagner and um, uh, John Wimber from the Vineyard Church, and they were at Fullerton, and they were having that conversation. They were talking about you know, okay, this this you know kind of mink vase from you know some ancient period of China. Is it possible that if you buy this thing and you bring it in your house that you're, you know, possibly bringing a spirit that's infested this particular vase? And, you know, they're having this big debate and and Wimber, you know, Cedar uh, Peter Wagner was basically expressing his concern, if I recall. And Wimber's response was basically like, as long as it's not in a person, I don't care. You know, if it wants to if it wants to stay in the corner of my room that I'm not really worried about it, you know. And and I think that that's that's kind of this debate that's among people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me personally, like I just don't. You know, I mean, I don't feel like I need to, this is something I see too. I see a lot of people doing stuff like where I'm going to cleanse my house with sage or, you know, and and even Christians that are getting into that. You know, I've seen multiple Christians post, we got to, you know, we have to cleanse the air and we have to cleanse these spirits. And it's like, when I walk in the room, Jesus walked in with me because he lives inside of me. And so there's no additional cleansing that needs to happen for my life. And I think if we all carry that attitude you know, a lot of those things wouldn't be an issue. And I understand for somebody that doesn't know the Lord, I do think there is, there's at least stories that seem to support this, this presence that's there. And scripture talks about, I mean, where did, if a demon's cast out, it wanders around, you know, and right. then looking for a place. So, I mean, that, that seems to at least give some sort of evidence that they can exist outside of a person. So, you know, but, but I think that, it comes back to like knowing our identity rather than, you know, just chasing this, this spiritual experience. What about, I agree. The other side of it that, that does intrigue me is, well, what if, you know, when we talk about oppression and we talk about ideas being placed in Christians' minds. And so even if you've been, if, if a demonic presence can't get inside of you because you've got the Holy Spirit in you, but yet you could be oppressed by it and it is in a place and you are in that place, you know, is there is there a discussion to be had there? And that was sort of one of the, and it's in the book, you know, one of the interesting things, some of the people talking that through, some people would say what you just said, others would say, well, I'm kind of in the middle. Like, I think you need to deal with it in that place because if you don't and you have a weak moment or something happens that opens it, it or you've got family members that aren't saying, you know, it, are they in danger if you haven't gotten it out of that place? Now that's controversial because you're talking about exercising a place, essentially. You're talking about driving it out. But now I, now I know people who it's as simple as they walk through their house and they say, and they pray, this is a place, we're dedicating this place to, to the Lord and that's it. There's not sage, there's not, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? I mean, I've been invited to like house dedications before and things like that. I have, um, you know, and, and probably some examples of that. If every now and then I'll have somebody that feels like they have something in their house and I might go over there and pray with them, but you know, it's, it's really more about them than it is the house in that sense. And I don't, I just don't see any scriptural examples that really pop into mind about right. them going in there and cleansing a place. And so it goes they back to that. 
Yeah, they don't. And so like, I just want to use biblical models, biblical language to deal with this stuff. Otherwise, I think it starts getting weird and you start becoming like that almost becomes like a part of your job. Like I do weddings, I do funerals and I do cleansings, you know, and so like (laughs) that just doesn't seem like to be my job description as a pastor. Uh, I feel similar about weddings and funerals, but that's a different issue. But um, the the you know so my job is to make jesus famous and to really you know to testify about him and to tell people who he is if something manifests if it shows its head if it if it you know is evolved you know if it if it if it um surfaces in some way we'll deal with it but i'm not going to go looking for it i think one of the big misunderstandings about this idea of like oppression versus uh, um demonization is you know um that that Christians don't have a great handle on the concept of what I would describe as spirit, soul, and body. You know, Paul says in um, uh, first, I think it's First Thessalonians uh, uh, five seventeen. He says, or five twenty three. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. And you know, so we have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Our our body is you know obvious. We see it. Um, our soul, that word is is suke or psyche. It's a where we get our word for psychology. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then we have this word, the spirit. And this the pneuma, and so um, when we, you know, when we join together with Christ in in our confession of faith, he he dwells in our spirit man. Our body's still the same, you know. If you, you know, were were, you know, however you look before you got saved, you didn't change your. Appearance. I didn't lose any weight. You, you didn't lose any weight in the baptistry, or you know, when you gave your life to Christ. And so, telling um, me the but, baptistry and, overflow. <laughs> that could be a new program we could sell, though. Give your life to Jesus and lose 20 pounds. There you go. That sounds um, great. And so, uh, you know, but but in, in the same way, like our mind, our that soulish dimension, when you give your life to the Lord, um, it doesn't automatically change. If people are struggling with certain things and they're thinking, like they might find some reprieve, they might get a revelation that helps them for a time. But if they don't renew their mind, right. then it can be problematic. And so, you know, I think that I do believe that a Christian can experience oppression in their in their psyche and their mind their will and their emotions and still be saved and and kept sure. pure within their spirit and so you know they're they're you know but i don't believe that a christian can be possessed in that Agreed, sense right? where he yeah. can where a demon can live in their spirit man because it can't it can't coexist you know in, with the holy spirit yeah i think that's it's an impenetrable it, sea right. you know it, in that sense but, right. but it can cause problems for people around you i mean even if you're in an environment cause problems for you right and you you don't want to we don't want to say that necessarily you want to cleanse a place because i don't i don't buy that because it's got to to me it's got to be connected to people because that's what that's what god cares about and because that's what god cares about that's what satan cares about corrupting so i've been to a there's a city and i won't name it because i don't feel like it in in oregon that i've been to several times Uh, it's a very well-known city um but there's a lot of new agey stuff there. Not just new agey, but like crystal stuff and witches. Stop and, talking and, about Portland. No, it's not Portland. <laughs> it's it's another place. But it's but you can feel it when you drive into the town. When you drive into this city, yeah. you can feel and it's it's more of a town than a city. When you drive into it, you can feel it. There's something weird about that place. It's and like it, Salem, Massachusetts. Well, in fact, Frank Peretti said that his books were that, that the settings for his books were based on this particular town. Google it, everyone, and find out who Chris is trash talking. So, yes. So anyway, yes. so but but so it can impact you, and you, you want a cleansing of that place, but not with the sage and that nonsense of trying to. But in that, with that many people invested in 
evil, for lack of a better term, you're going to have that kind of oppression and feel within that area because there's so much of it within that area, right? Is, so, that, is that fair to say? Do you think that's theologically sound? I mean, I think that um, that it's the people... Actually, a friend of mine that said this one time, I thought it was really profound. It's the people that determine the sort of the atmosphere of a region rather than the geography. And so when you have a place where you have a concentration of people that, you know, are cultivating this and, and uh, um, you know, allowing it into their lives, it creates a, a temperature a an atmosphere within that that region and so i, I think sometimes it's it's palatable it's mm -hmm. you can you can literally drive down the road and just go man this place this yeah. just something's not right here and we've all felt yeah. that experience and so but i again i don't i think that we change that by preaching the gospel by you know it impacting individual lives and obviously avoiding that ourselves in order to overcome that i felt that in salem massachusetts when i was in high when i was in middle school we went to Salem, and I still remember every detail of it. And obviously, there's a whole history there, and it wasn't that. That wasn't what it was. It was the fact that you have witches setting up shops. I mean, there are shops in town. And when I was in middle school, I didn't know any better, and they sent us there. You know, we our school went, and I went into one of these shops. I thought it was like a gift shop. I didn't fully realize what it was. And when I was in there, we were all kind of in it, and I started kind of being like, there's like voodoo dolls. I'm like, okay, this is not mm -hmm. where I want to be. And I'll never forget this. And it's going to sound like another crazy. This is another one of those stories where you're just like, what in the world? It was this blonde woman. She owned the, sh the store and she was talking to us and she like had her hands in the air and she's like, can you feel the energy in here? And it was just like really weird. Can yeah. you feel it? And I swear you could, it almost felt like, and I don't think the room was moving. It almost felt like it was just, it was a very strange experience. And I remember a bunch of us were talking about, did you feel that? That was really weird, you know? And we kind of left that town and I was like, I don't think I'm going to be hanging out here again. <laughs> like, I don't, it was just something about it. So now, how do, I how could, do, this, is, this is me being, I'm the stupid guy on the show. Um, how do spiritual beings like demons or angels, I guess as well, since in the same realm, have the ability to do physical things that you can feel those things? Well, that's a debate. I mean, that's so like Hank Hengraff, the Bible answer man would say he doesn't really subscribe to the idea that demons could knock books off of shelves or do these other things. The problem is that so many stories involve those kinds of claims. Right. And also, I would I would argue now you could you could say that people are doing this stuff to themselves and they don't remember it. Um, bite marks and scratches mm -hmm. and these other markings. I mean, when you look at the original, there is a diary that was kept on Robbie Minahan, the kid who the real life, you know, exorcist kid that the movie was based on. That's his you know, that's not his real name. But um, and in that diary, the priests who were handling that case claimed to actually see words appear on his body and disappear. I mean, hmm. when you read when you see these journals, it's like I do, and they they all went to the grave on like we wish this never story went this story never went public. We wish the Washington Post never covered this. He oh. deserved to have this private. And that journal was like coveted and hidden. So I don't believe that they made this stuff up. So anyway, hmm. I don't know. How do you explain that away? Yeah, I, I can't. I just, I'm just, I'm worried about the, the, like the, the physics of it. How does a spiritual being that doesn't have flesh and blood or atoms <laughs> do things that 
you know. But again, I'm skeptical you know, it, of it too. But there, to be but there are mean, people I, who talk about. Listen, God, God has done healings and moved stones and done all sorts of things, and he's, you can't see him either. But well, I mean, I, yeah. uh, go ahead, Lucas. I, I mean, my I'm probably somewhat alone on this belief. Not alone, but in in a minority, is that I believe it takes a body to a physical body to operate in this realm. This is one of the reasons why I'm, you know, a big uh, advocate against the idea of God allowed or God caused, you know, these sorts of things, because I believe that, you know, he gives authority to us based upon, you know, we can involve, he, he's available for his power to work in our lives. But the reason he had to come in the flesh is because it, one of the reasons he had to come in the flesh is because it took flesh to operate in this realm. Mm -hmm. He didn't just die in the spiritual dimension. He, you know, if, if that would have been possible, he actually came to be one of us and and to walk in our place. And it says it says in Scripture, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. So, you know, I'm of the belief that that I would agree that I don't think demons can just come in and do something. That's why they that's why he sent them into the pigs, where they were they would rather be in pigs than just operate by themselves because pigs have more authority on planet Earth than a demon does. So why did he send so, them into the pigs if that's what they wanted? Well, they died immediately. Yeah, after. they ended up running over the cliff. Yeah, and here's another cool factor on this is this was the pigs, the pig farmers there. This was an area of Israel. They were basically operating an illegal pig mm -hmm. farm that they were they were Jews that were keeping pigs. And he was exposing also this hypocrisy, you know, that was happening there. It was probably, you know, it could have been, I, you know, I, I, you know, we'd have to talk to somebody else that's maybe more up on the subject, but it could have easily been some of the elite that had this pig farm kind of offshore, so to speak, that they were operating while they're telling everybody else to abide by the law. And so he kind of did two things at once by sending them into first century into Trumps is what you're saying. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking more of Pelosi, but that's okay. So both maybe, uh, maybe there was a family yeah. joint. Venture. Yeah. There was a salon next door too. I think <laughs> um, the, I think uh, you know, and, and salon is an apology for setting up. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, you know what's interesting about that is that I do I do think I mean here's the thing if if that's inside of a person and words are appearing on their body that's different than it doing it outside of a body right that's still within I, now I'm okay even the idea that something happens outside of somebody if it's if it's that that there's a person still behind that there's some sort of person that is cultivating that atmosphere for it to happen which, which, yeah, and that's that's interesting. One of the other things that comes up frequently, okay, and th this is interesting. And as we sort of round out to the to the end of our show here, but you know, the technology disturbances with technology, which you know, this would fall in a middle range. I feel like because you don't need it's not a physical. It is a physical thing, but it's it's disturbing a frequency, let's say, or. Um, and this is this comes up in a lot of stories. One of the sheriffs in the Indiana case that, you know, the Gary, Indiana famous case, he said that he heard something come over his louds, you know, over his radio. Um, and there's a lot of that kind of claiming going on in these cases. That's interesting to me. It always kind of has been. Um, but because it's not what you're it's not what we're talking. It's not throwing a book. It's messing with a technology. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of these before you answer this, because I'm sure you're going to have insight on it. A lot of the people who deal with this say that they see that often. So, yeah. I don't know what you think on that, but I mean, I'm I'm just thinking out loud. I mean, you you have, we have times that you know in Scripture where 
people hear God speak. Um, you know, I and I and I think that it's you know we have examples of people hearing, you know, the enemy speak. I, I really think that we cultivate that atmosphere. I mean, that's just what I would keep coming back to. And so, you know, it's just like when you get when you get something in your mind that all of a sudden uh, I'm afraid. You know, I'm afraid that that Satan's doing something to me. I'm afraid of this. It gives opportunity, I think, for that stuff within your region, within your realm, to to start being affected. And so I think that's why it's so important to come back to like not being afraid and claiming kind of our space for the Lord. And I don't think we need to like go overboard on this cleansing sort of thing, but just going like, Lord, thank you that you are the Lord of my house, that that everything I have belongs to you. And Lord, I, I just give you, and I just think we stand on that. And so at that point, like we're done, you know? And so if I'm believing that in faith, I don't have to like go chase this stuff anymore. And, and so is it possible that a demon can speak over a loudspeaker or a radio or, or a cell phone? I, I think that if we start giving in a fear, I think that that creates opportunity for that to happen, mm -hmm. I guess is how I would say it. No, I think that's, I think that's true. I'm not going to be totally wrong yeah. on that, but no. that's, that's my best take. There's a lot of mystery here, right? I mean, there, there's still a lot that we don't know because we we're not given, and I don't think we're meant to know it, right? Like some of it is 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 a mystery, and you know, I found it to be really kind of just helpful to my faith to understand it better, you know, well, not so, to obsess over it, to know it and move forward. All right. So, who's this book for? Like, who would yeah. you say, hey, somebody who needs to get a copy of this book? You know, that's that's the interesting thing. I would say any Christian, no matter where you are in your walk, I don't care if you've been a Christian for 30 years, because I feel like a lot of us do not understand. And some of the things people aren't going to agree with, like there's going to be things, Lucas, that you read, you're like, I don't agree with what that person said, because it's diving into a sort of a spectrum of Christians who have different views right on, on how this manifests. But it gives us a good baseline of things we can know. So there's a lot of scripture. There's a lot of here are the stories that happen in the Bible. Let's revisit them. Let's look at them. What does the Bible tell us about Satan? How does that translate into culture, which I think is something we all need to be thinking about? This isn't just an individual issue. We make up culture. So when this becomes a more pervasive problem, when there are more people who are disconnected from God, how does this manifest itself? We're, I think we're seeing it in the news every day, to be honest with you. To some degree, we can't... It's not my job to say that's demonic, but, it, but I think we can sense that there's something off, just like the geography, the locations we're talking about. I think we can see that there are certain crimes that are committed. There's something else going on with these mm -hmm. people, maybe. Um, so I would also say people who aren't believers, because the solution the book gives, I think, is something that could help somebody who's looking and seeking understand why they need Christ. So I've heard from a few or atheists. Or is spiritual dimension real? Right, which I've heard from atheists who have bought it. I know at least two people who are not believers who have picked it up, and I'm interested to hear. Now, I've also seen reviews I've gotten some bad reviews on this because people picked it up not realizing it was a Christian book, which how could religion be involved in this? And it makes me laugh because like, they're like, well, how could it not? I, right. I mean, they actually like two star reviews because they're mad that they found. They didn't well, even. They and didn't then, read and, then, they, and they then they didn't bother care. finishing it. They even say in their own review, they didn't bother to finish. I didn't. I didn't bother to finish this. So right, there was one. Yeah. One if you're a fan I, of the show and a fan of Billy's. So all three of you out there. Right. Two and make a half. sure and go leave a positive review on this as well. So, and, so yes, that's, absolutely. That's, we got the power of the mic here. There you go. Um, okay, so what is your, what is your if you had one big takeaway for yourself, Billy? After you got done writing this, you you went through the whole experience, and you and everything you've learned from this. What is your you, Billy Hallowell, your 
personal biggest takeaway from from what you discovered? Not to be afraid of it and that we have authority over it. That's the key thing. Not this is not like everything Lucas is saying is true. Like, why are why do we get afraid? And I think we do. I think right. we we doubt the authority and power of Christ. And I'm talking about people who have that, you know, actual right. believers. I think there there's a reason to be afraid if you're not connected to Christ. But if you're a Christian, you do not have to fear this. And if you're living right, you don't have to fear it. You have authority over it, not to let it control you. And also not to obsess over it on, on the flip side. I think there are a lot of people who live in complete fear. They think they're they think they're living a faith-driven life when really what they're doing is they're living in fear of all of this and they see a demon behind every doorway. And that's not that's not healthy. We need to understand it, we need to confront it, but we do not need this running our theology. And I think too for too many people, this is really the at the core of their theology. And that gets problematic too. Right. All right, good. Well, the three demons have discussed the demon book, and uh, I'm actually looking forward to reading this one. Unlike the other, unlike the others, Billy, you, you haven't read the other three, which is well, neither my wife, well, so you're in well, good it's, company. It's hard to read them when they're stuck under the t- kitchen table, holding it, and making it balanced. So. Or you've eaten them, assuming they were. Well, there's pancakes. also that, or other things. So, um, so we that was kind of a serious show. We started light, then got serious, then we kind of light, and then got serious again. Should we end on something light? Joe Biden, perhaps? Yeah, and can then, you just and, play like okay. a Joe Biden? So Joe Biden was at a conference, or he was in it was in Michigan, and he, well, he it's the same speech I believe where he talked about, and he misnumbered the number of dead um, military men and women. Yeah, six thousand right? instead he, of seven. Right. He he said there were six thousand one hundred and fourteen. No, actually there were seven. Joe, and this comes from that. He was he says he keeps a schedule of things going on. So this is Joe Biden being Joe. I carry with me, I don't have it, I gave, gave it to my staff, but I carry with me in my pocket a, do I have that around anyone, where's my staff? I gave it away anyway. I carry a schedule in my pocket. So, what, where's my wait, staff, wait I gave it wait away. A, wait a second, Bill, uh, wait, wait a second, uh, Joe, what is it that you, what is it that you, you do? I carry a schedule in my pocket. You just walk around with I carry a schedule in my pocket. That's interesting. You know, what I've discovered, Billy, is that 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 uh, good old Joe could never compete with the mental acuity of 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 our uh, of our president. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. If you get it in Amen. order, I you get extra points. They said nobody gets it in order. It's actually not that easy. But for me, it was easy. Person, woman, man, right as I went in. And so I was, I was literally walking through the store, and I was going, chicken breast, quinoa, <laughs> green peppers, and then there was, a, there was a fourth one. Do I remember what it you was? Walked out with bubble gum. <laughs> the, the, oh, uh, arugula. So I was like literally just doing that. I was of just course. saying it over and over what again. What in the world wait, are you get, wait, give me that over get, there? Let, can we go ahead and it's go ahead healthy. and make the, publicize that list one more time that you were sent in with chicken? So it's chicken breast, right? Um, green peppers. Uh huh. He's already out of order. Um, quinoa. Quinoa, of course. And arugula. Oh, and arugula, of course. Yes. You're such a girl. That was so, for my I wife. Mean, that was my I wife's mean, I just, oh, okay. well, she, yeah, I just. I can't. ain't even weirder, but yes. <laughs> you know, I, listen, I, we can't obviously get into this right now, but we should talk. To, I want to know what's going to happen. They're, the left has held everything on Trump and they're releasing it now. I do think those tapes are fascinating. It's like a finale of a fireworks show between now and November 3rd. It's just like... But how do Trump, Trump, like, 
the fact that he's admitted that he was downplaying it, and I understand why he was downplaying it. Yeah. But I do think there were people who really believed that he was, oh, no, Trump's right about this. It's and here's not a big the, deal. Here's the thing about he Trump. He doesn't even believe that. Here's, here's it. I don't believe. So I, I don't think. Oh, hmm. I understand the idea of I'm I'm going to downplay this so people don't go crazy. Right. It's the same guy who says that rapists are coming over the border and that and that we have to fear everything else and that you know BLM protesters are going to come to your city and they're going to invade the suburbs. He he's not he's not against he he doesn't always play downplay situations in order so so that there isn't panic. That's that's not how he operates. That said, those are political things. This I think was a real thing for him, the 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 pandemic stuff. I think that he did and I heard him explain it today and he kind of comes at it from an opposite angle rather than rather because in the tapes, you can hear him talking about playing it down and, and everybody's saying, why are you down? Why does he want to downplay it? Why does he want to downplay it? And his, when he talked about it today in his press conference, he was asked about this and he's saying, I didn't want to make people panic. I didn't want to come out and play it up and tell everybody to wave their hands around and be scared. So when he says, I, I, I want to play it down. What he's meaning is I don't want to play it up. <laughs> I mean, that's when you think, cause that's Trump speak. That's how he operates. Yeah. I want to play it down. Well, what I actually really is I don't want to play it up. Right. And it's, it's interesting because like, you know, when you think about if he would have, if he would have played it up, especially during that time period, they would have just been totally said that he's doing it to distract from the impeachment. And so he would have been criticized for that. And I think also like nobody really knew what it was going to be or what it was going to become. Exactly. And I mean, we already had, you know, couldn't find a roll of toilet paper in America for like a month with it being downplayed. I could because I ordered 80, but yes, the rest <laughs> of you couldn't. <clears throat> and so like, you know, to think what would have happened in the country if they would have gone, everybody right. freak, if it would have, it would have been like the moth scream. I mean, the whole time, that's what it would have sounded like <laughs> all around the country. What it, what I, and I'll say this and then I'll rest my case. Nobody handled any of this perfect. Nobody could have, I, I try, I'm trying to have more grace even for Cuomo and the, the murder of the elderly. I'm, I've been trying to be more, a little more fair in recent weeks because I think nobody would have done, nobody would enact a policy if they thought that was the end result of it. Let's just be honest. Nobody, whether you're Democrat or Republican, it was a bad policy. It shouldn't have happened. Um, I'm not dismissing it. I think it was awful. I do think in Trump on the Trump side, like not holding rallies might have like the Tulsa rally. They know there were cases that came out of the Tulsa rally and and not even encouraging people to be like socially distant or wear a mask. So if he could go back, I would hope he would change those things in light of that's That's actually the part that troubles me a little bit. It's like, well, if you're saying you think it's airborne, which is what he said at that point, well, why are you holding assault, massive yeah. rallies? Yeah. You know, like that stuff. But listen, we could do this all day long with everybody because, right. again, Democratic governors and I think it's, and I think it's an interesting discussion to have. Though why didn't if Woodward heard all, heard all this stuff and it's so damning, why did he hold it? Well, we he all know why he held. It. We all know why he held it. He had a book to sell, and it can hurt Trump in the election season. Otter for the election. It's yep, clearly exactly. why he held on but, to it. But that doesn't. But what that are they all going to do? What are they going to do when Trump's gone? What is CNN and the Washington Post going right. to do when Trump is gone? Good right. luck. You've so got nothing to talk Chris, about. Chris Eliza, that hack at CNN, he puts out a tweet today, right? Because he's because Trump talks about you know talked about the Woodward thing, and 
Saliza goes, to be clear, Bob Woodward is not president, so Bob Woodward doesn't bear responsibility to make it clear how dangerous COVID-19 is. That's Trump's job in theory. This is Saliza, a quote-unquote journalist, an alleged journalist. And Stephen Miller writes the perfect response. It's not a journalist's job to inform the public is a fun hot take even for you, Saliza. What so, an idiot. What, what an idiot. Well, I'm sorry. Stupid, what an idiotic response. An idiotic response. <laughs> let, me, let me be a Christian. So, um, all right. Well, we better get out of here because it's late for you boys. Oh, Billy, I hope your closing goes well. I don't. I hope I, it's going to be a disaster. I hope that they are still there. Well, I, I hope the refrigerator stops. I hope the house does not have an infestation. I hope not either. That, you know, we may find out that this is real based on my experience. So stay tuned. <laughs> Church boys. Well, where's my staff? I carry a schedule in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs>